so yeah um you know i'm just going to welcome onto the show today ricky warren so he is a ton of things you know it's really hard to summarize i guess what you do bro in one little sentence but you know he's a world record holder he is you know a master of calisthenics he's the inventor of the move the iron lotus which is an awesome blend of kind of like an iron cross and little lotus position and um honestly he has achieved so many things in the in the world of calisthenics and, and yoga and, and we'll get into all of that um so yeah welcome to the show man nice to have you here thanks mate yeah pleasure to be on here looking forward to the chat <laughs> yeah yeah so look i mean you know on this podcast i always seem to talk about you know the topics of everything from calisthenics to you know business entrepreneurship mindset all that good stuff and you know you're somebody who has really i guess pushed a new a new style of thinking into the calisthenics world you know i personally having not been in the calisthenics scene all that long have seen quite a few different athletes doing different things different coaches putting out different ideas and i think to me and i know for a fact to a lot of other people your stuff definitely stands out and it's clear because you've built up a lot of traction in a short space of time doing this but you know with that being said this is not new to you like this is not an industry that you're brand new to you've been in the fitness industry a long time i know you're a super experienced and really really knowledgeable coach um and yeah it's, it's great to have you here to kind of discuss some of the um intricacies of the calisthenics world and you know get into yogic practices as well so i guess my first conversation start for you would be like just to um to ask what initially you know you've got a very interesting background that we can probably go into another time to be honest but you know just to ask like what got you going in calisthenics like what made you start the sport there was a um, also, thank you for all those uh, accolades and uh, <laughs> recognition. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, because I was I was a bit of a high energy child. I wasn't diagnosed with ADHD or anything like that, but I think on some level, all kids have a bit of bipolarity or um, uh, you know things like that. So um, I was had really high energy. So my parents put me into uh, judo. And then what you do in judo is you throw each other and you jump on the floor and break fall and roll around and stuff. So I got quite used to being boisterous, but putting that energy into something that had discipline in it. Then as I got older and just did loads of different martial arts, Wing Chun, boxing, wrestling, submission wrestling, um, then eventually tire boxing and everything else. So, but the thing is with the martial arts, and this is not to say there's anything wrong with it, but martial arts are martial arts because you need an opponent to uh, use the skills on. Uh, it's, it's not a discipline that is based on self-action. Self it's based on action with others uh, because you need the input of the other body for the moves to make any sense functionally. Like what is a block unless there's something you're blocking, right? So what I found that when I found calisthenics, after I got into like tricking and um, XMA and things like that was that you could you, your opponent became you right and so when you're trying to be a martial artist or you know mixed martial artist, combat fighter, whatever you always you judge your ability and level by that of those that you can beat or who can beat you so you're only ever satisfied with your level when you compare it to other people's levels because you don't know how good you are at fighting unless you fight. 
which is fine because it tests the real truth of the metal who is the best but the problem is that's not a uh immediately rewarding thing you have to go and test yourself to do that calisthenics every second you spend doing it is rewarding because you get better every second and the next day you go back to do the thing you did the day before until the point that you actually achieve it you suddenly feel that rush of like achievement and nobody can take that from you it's something you did so there's somebody can say they've got a better handstand or planche than you but it doesn't take away the fact that you achieved it but when you're, if you say, oh, I do Thai boxing, people can always try to take that away from you and say, well, you're not good at Thai boxing because these guys are better than you. But they can't say that about calisthenics. The move is the move. And whether or not you're slightly this way or that way, that's just personal preference to some degree mm -hmm. when biomechanics has been assessed and the rules of what is considered that move are done. There's still some minor changes that people can make. Are your toes pointed or not? There's no rules for it. So it's like, what do you, if you can do both and then you choose to do toes not pointed or pointed, that means you've decided what to do. It doesn't mean you're not able to do the correct thing. You know what I mean? So mm. all that judgment kind of moves away when you move towards perfecting this thing instead of trying to measure it against its potential against other people. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, you kind of look at it in a sense of like, you're only battling yourself with calisthenics and it's not something that is you know, it's a very self-focused discipline because it's just you versus you and there's no yeah. no opponent needed to win or lose against. Specific, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's such an interesting perspective, man. And I guess that can link to other areas of life too, can't it? And I'm sure we'll get into this, but, you know, looking at things as a, as a personal pursuit as opposed to doing it for egoic reasons of one-upping somebody else or doing it for somebody else to to impress somebody else like if you look at this with the right way you know i guess in calisthenics like what you're saying not having an opponent to go against just perfecting your own discipline you're doing it for you and you know if you look at it with that mindset that's a pretty fulfilling practice then isn't it yeah i would actually that's that's really uh, insightful and i would also it's made me realize as well that yes in the beginning when I started calisthenics, I did it for me because I wanted to feel, I wanted to feel good about the strength I have. Like it makes me feel capable and confident if I'm physically strong or if, I'm, if I've achieved certain skills. It mm. makes me, it, let, it, it, it sort of reinforces to me as a, as a schema that I have, that if I keep working for something and stay determined, I can achieve it. It doesn't matter whether it's physical or not. It just teaches you that principle. Right? Yeah. But the thing that changed after I achieved everything I wanted to achieve. So when you can do plant front leave, all these different things, and then there's not much else left to go for apart from the absolute Olympic level world's best stuff. And then, you know, I got the world record on the Olympic rings. Then I'm like, well, what is, what else is there to keep doing? And then there's, there's not much else I can do for me because in my heart, I'm not saying I've completed calisthenics. There's a lot of stuff I can't do, but in my heart, I completed it for me. I've completed it. I don't need to do any more mm. of it, but you know why I keep doing it? Not for me anymore, but for humanity, because when people tell me, like you said earlier, and uh, uh, you follow me because not only do you like what I do, but you see a lot, a lot of other people like it. So these people tell me all the time that they're inspired by what I do. 
And I decided that it was my duty to keep inspiring them because that's doing something for humanity, right? So yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I don't put pictures of me doing these calisthenics or videos of me doing this stuff so that I can get likes and validate my own work. I know my own work. I don't need anybody to tell me that what I do is good, but I do it literally to maintain that level of inspiration so that anybody that wants to train or work out and is finding it hard to find a reason to or needs to look at something that's going to make them want to become more uh, capable or make them look at, you know, anything that they want to do, they can come on my page anytime they want and look at what I've recently posted. And my hope is that it gives you some motivation or inspiration. And that's, mm. that's the outlook I have whenever I consider what to post. I just want to impress people so that they take it upon themselves to uh, do something. There's one, let me, let me just tell you one quote in relation to that. There's a, um, and I said this in, the, in my book, actually, my recent book. So there's a treatise called the Natya Sastra, which means the manual of performing arts, essentially. It's a really ancient Sanskrit document. And one of the um, first things it says is the primary function of the performing arts is not entertainment. The primary function is to transport the individual in the audience to a parallel dimension where they're forced to question their own morals, beliefs, and abilities. So when you watch something at the theater, like Lion King, they're not, they're not on the stage to entertain you. They're there to make you, they're there to portray a story. And that story hits you in such a way that it leaves you philosophically inclined to start thinking about stuff. Mm. So when me and you get on the bar, and we put music in the background and we do whatever we do and we step and, or we do a hard move or whatever it is. And people might want to judge, oh, that's corny, oh, that's this, oh, that's not this, whatever. The point is we're combining the use of sound and imagery to create a, a question to the audience in themselves. We want them to look at it and really get into it and feel it and then think something about what they're doing in relation to it. They should think, yeah. oh, th this is what the human body can do. I wonder what mine can actually do. I've never tried that. Maybe I should Yeah, just... what's my oh, potential? Look... Yeah, look at this weird, dra... he's calling it a dragon squat. Look, I've never seen this before. Let me just stand up and try that. It looks good, but I don't know, it can't be that hard. And they try it. And then suddenly they're filled with the self-realization that they've got work to do. And that is what inspires people to get off their ass and do it, is the mm -hmm. self-realization that I, I've, I'm lacking. Yeah. But, you know, but so most people are putting their stuff up because they want to, they want fame. They actually want to be in fame. And the only reason I want fame is not for me. I want the teachings to have fame because they're so useful for humanity. You know, and like you're, you're just you part get... of that funnel to get those people in at the top, and you're part of that thing, you know, that channel of energy to get people influenced in a certain way to, you know, move on in their life in a positive way. Yeah. Like, how could, yeah, exactly. So, like, if there was, if there was a issue like mental health during COVID, that's a good example. Yeah. Yeah. So, the, the people, people's men, uh, mental health status during COVID. 
Now, every single person in every industry, including Gordon Ramsay and me and you and everyone else, could give that message by attracting people's attention, doing what we do, and then crafting that message so that it points towards mental health for COVID. You follow me? Yeah, so yeah like, for sure. That, that is proper use of fame, in my opinion. That is proper use of fame, is to direct attention to what humanity needs through what has been given to you, which is fame. You didn't mm -hmm. grab fame for yourself. It was people that turned their head and took the time to watch you and follow you. They gave you the fame. And so what we have to do with that fame is use it to work for them. That's the truth of it, you know, mm -hmm. if we really care about it. Otherwise, it's all based in ego, isn't it? Yeah, I love that perspective. And I think I've... I've always had a similar mindset of the fact that you have to play what I call the game of, you know, you can post up a photo on social media or on Instagram or whatever, you know, whatever platform of yourself shirtless, you know, you can, you can flex, you can do these tricks. Freestyle calisthenics is an amazing example of that. The, the eye grabbing nature of the sport, but in reality, what that should be, you know, you could post that with a certain egoic purpose for it to, give you the short-term dopamine of seeing the likes and being like yes look at what i've achieved this is all me or you can post that same video that same physique photo whatever with the with the mindset of okay this is going to grab people's attention because this is what people who aren't already looking for these teachings are going to be are going to engage with like they're going to see a set of apps and they're going to hit like maybe they're going to follow me maybe they're going to delve into it maybe they're going to listen to my podcast and then as soon as they're in that funnel of influence you can then really teach the lessons you truly want and you can influence yes. in a positive way but you're never gonna get to the masses you're never going to achieve that fame status that you mentioned by posting out true value with no sugar coating on top because people always need to see the sugar coated version first yeah. you know there's this saying of Buy like show it, people yeah. what they need you know sh show people what they want and then give them what they need and I think that as a coach is especially important because so often I'm sure you've had this many, many times of, you know, people will come to you and they might say, you know, I, I really want to look like this, or this is what I want to be able to do, or this is how I want to feel, or this is the handstand I want to do. And you need to tell them in a sugar coated way, like that's absolutely possible for you, but these are the things that you have to do first to get there. And it, it's interesting, isn't it? I think you need to show people one thing and then actually give them what they truly need and, and just drip feed it over time. And eventually they'll look back and go, wow, how did I ever, how was I ever so shallow to look at this without seeing the true meaning? But I really feel you that I, I definitely agree with that perspective. There is, yeah, there is a, we, we are living in an age of very short attention spans and um, people see all kinds of things on the internet all the time. So if you actually want to grab someone's attention to listen to something you're saying, you have to come out with a bang, and uh, that's just the yeah. that's just the way of the way of the time. Like it's the way it is now. It wasn't always like that, but mm. if you can't accept that, you know, like so some some people, everyone knows this. There are haters in every industry. And there are some people that haven't made it where they want to make it, and maybe they have some knowledge of truth that they're holding that they want to share with people, um, and they and they want people to know that truth. The problem is they haven't figured out how to attract people, uh, uh, people's attention to be able to give that message. So, you know, anyone can go to Speaker's Corner in Hyde Park and you can say what you want, 
but nobody has to stand there and listen to you. Why should they? And uh, so if you if you get bitter about the fact that nobody wants to listen to what you're saying, that's stupid. What you need to do is think about how you're saying it and how you're getting people's attention. Because if you want to say something, then it's your job to be heard. Nobody has to listen to you. So this whole, like you said, playing the game, if you're playing the game and succeeding to be heard, but then you're doing something that has value for people, then you can't judge the, the previous, yeah. right? But if you're trying to get that fame by playing the game, but really the reason that like you said is for the self only, then you're not doing anyone a service and people see through it. It's like, otherwise, you know, people aren't just here to pat you on the back and make you feel good. Yeah. So you've got to be giving something back. Yeah, absolutely, man. You know, you've got to actually provide some value to the world. Otherwise, you know, it's going to self implode pretty quickly if you don't actually give something back. I think it's, you know, what you said about social media, like everything is just, you know, shinier than the last day there's always something better something sexier something more extreme and there's you know there, there's a reason news is more and more clickbaity every single day it's because people thrive on i mean firstly they thrive on negatives but that's a different point you know it's far easier to convert somebody to click on a photo or an article if it's something absolutely shocking or horrendous happening than it is to say like oh listen to this great thing that happened people don't care about that in reality yeah. you want to hear like what's the worst thing that could have possibly happened or yeah, you know it's, it's all too easy to see that isn't it but you know with that being said if you do want to continue providing true value and if that for you is teaching people about body weight movements and you know yoga and whatever other practices you do and whatever things you share you have to do that in new creative ways all the time. And you have to evolve with, I guess, the nature of social media, because there's always going to be some new fad coming along of somebody sexier, stronger, bigger, faster, whatever it is that you're going to have to compete with. Unless you play that game, I think you are going to get lost in the noise. So you have to have the understanding. And I always try and say to people that, look, I think with the same mindset, if I post a photo with my shirt off on Instagram, I can hand on heart say that that does nothing for my vanity because that's not the reason I'm doing it. I'm, I'm doing that to try and get another message through, but I know the Instagram algorithm is going to push that up more than it is. If I post a photo of, yeah. you know, my smiling face, it just yeah. is. It's just how the world yeah. works. And it's how these softwares work. It's crazy uh, though, but let me, let me ask nature. you a question. Let me ask you a question. How do you, um, you you've been traveling, right? Different a countries. Bit. I've seen it done a bit yeah 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 and then you whenever you go to a different country especially it happens when you go to a different country and because we're calisthenics athletes we always seek out bars so you yeah. always seek out somewhere to try some bars and when you find that place there'll always be someone else there <clears throat> and then <clears throat> when you show someone that's never seen some of the stuff that you can do and they have this reaction of oh my god that's amazing this and this how does that make you feel? I mean, your initial response is short-term ego inflation of, oh, yeah, I'm kind of a big deal. Like, yeah, I can muscle up. Yeah, I can do a backflip. You know, this does do make me feel great. That? Do you still get I think, that? I honestly think, you know, since, it, since a young age, I've been able to do standing backflips and these tricks that I, you know, have seeked out for myself. I think it the novelty wore off pretty quickly. Yes. And 
exactly. and I, I would say it, that's not something that fulfills me anymore. Like if I was to go now, if I was to hop on a plane, go, you know, jump out of Venice beach and start doing some muscle ups, I genuinely wouldn't, my ego would not be in, affected if somebody came up to me and said, wow, that's incredible. Like, how do you do that? Because yeah. to me, it's just a new standard of like what I'm doing. I, I'm not yeah. saying that I'm not proud of myself and I've, I'm grateful for the skills and the work I've put in, but it, it does not, it does not make me feel superior to anybody else. Whereas at another point in life, maybe I was seeking those movements to get me there, but now, no, that, that's not yeah. what it achieves. So that's in the same way you've completed calisthenics in your heart because yeah. it's done, it's done for you. What you, what you were getting from it. You felt, yeah. you felt something was building in you confidence. Uh, uh, so um, what's it called? <clears throat> Self-respect, self-awareness, confidence, whatever it is, it built it in us. And then once we had it, we didn't need calisthenics anymore, but we use it and maintain it because we love it. And yeah. then I find that all the time. I go abroad, I go everywhere else. Every time I do a planche, oh, sick, blah, blah. but I, I, don't, I don't know. It's like, a, it's worn off so much for me at this point after 28 years of training that I don't, I can't, um, I'm kind of just like, you know how you might look at a kid who gets wowed by um, a toy that makes a noise and he's like, how yeah. the fuck is it making that noise, you know? And then I'm just like, <laughs> it's it's all physics, biomechanics and can be reduced. To yeah, like you, you can, you can see. One, <laughs> yeah, like once you understand training, like I know, I know what you're saying, because once you understand training, you're like, well, you know, actually it's quite simple how I can do this planche or this front lever because... It, it's just a combination of the years of training, the work, the mobility stuff I've been doing, X, Y, Z. And actually, when you reduce it down to that, it's quite, it's very doable. And I think it's it's also quite empowering to know that when you've achieved that in one, I guess, discipline in your life or one area of your life, you realize that actually, whether you're trying to reach financial freedom, um, you know, spiritual awakening, whatever other areas in your life you can go into, it's actually pretty doable if you just put the right steps in and you just get closer and closer each day to that. It's quite, it's doable to move forwards. And I think with, you know, I don't know if I'm making sense here, but like with calisthenics, I feel the same way about how I love it. And it's a practice that I want to continue indefinitely because it fuels me. It continues to make my body feel great along with the other methods of physical training. But I've also got to a point where I'm not going to lie to you. The competition you recently judged that I did as much as I love that, I can tell you, I trained freestyle three or four times in the last, in the three months before that, because of that, I was training a couple of times a week on top of managing everything else. Mm. It was not a priority in my life at all, but I turned up on the day and I gave it everything I could and I loved it, but that was not the be all and end all of my life. If I got knocked out in the first round, th that's what, was meant to be i didn't mind i did it more for a personal challenge of keeping myself accountable to training by having that competition in the diary it wasn't like hopefully i get the title because it's going to bring me something you know it's yeah. i don't know if that makes sense but like i also feel like even at a way earlier stage in the game than you are clearly i feel like the purpose of what i initially wanted from calisthenics has been ticked off for me and now it's just going to be a sustainable long-term practice for other reasons yeah you know you know also when if you look at someone doing a um a plant or something like that the first time 
well, the first time I saw it or a flag, I thought it was fake. And then when I when it when I realized it was real, and then I tried it and I could do it, but really shit, you know, bent arms and bent yeah. legs and everything. But when I realized it was achievable, I was like, wow. And then, but now when I look at these things being done, there's no magic in it anymore because I understand what's happening, where the forces are going and everything else. It doesn't look like, how is he floating like that? It's not magic anymore because I understand it. But that's not a bad thing because it's been replaced with something else. And uh, I'll compare that to something everybody sort of understands a bit easier, which is how a relationship goes with a person. So let's compare the relationship of you or I with the calisthenics that we look at or that, or even just any movement that we look at and a relationship with a person, it starts in something that we call infatuation, right? Or lust. Yeah, yeah. They were like, oh, I'm infatuated with this plant because it looks like levitating and it's like, I'm lusting for it, I want it. And then when you move past that into love, right, which is, but not, not, not sort of material love but unconditional love what what that changes to is respect mm -hmm. so the lust turns to respect you know what i mean so yeah, yeah. when i see you do a front lever i don't look at it and go oh he's floating you know i don't feel a trace of that because i understand what's happening completely but when you do it well i look at it and i say i respect that because i know what's happening to make that happen and that's hard mm. and i was and the way that's being done, I respect it. And that's a much more consistent uh, and stronger level of admiration than, and a deeper level of admiration than infatuation or lust. So most of the people following uh, people of a certain caliber that do certain levels of moves, they're lusting after what that person can do and their body and their in, intrigued and curious as to how it works but when that novelty wears off what is left you will only have respect for that person if they're a good person mm. because once you see through all their magic then what you're left with is the person and if the person's still got something to offer beyond just what they can do physically that's a person worth following in my opinion so that's why, mm. I, was, why I keep saying it like I don't rate what you can do I rate the conviction that you're doing it with and what you're using that for. Mm. And then I'll rate it. It doesn't matter even if it's a plank and it's just stay staying there for 10 seconds. If yeah, it you... depends on your reason yeah. for that. Yeah. Imagine like a celebrity that doesn't do anything to do with fitness, comes on and does a, uh, a lotus and says, and a picture of the meditating and it inspires millions of people to meditate. Who cares if the lotus is wrong and if he's not doing the position yeah. properly and if he's even meditating? Who cares if it's all fake? Yeah. If, it, if, if, if it made more people try to do it, then that is correct use of his fame or her fame. Yeah, yeah it's so, a win. Yeah, so we've got, I, I really try to look beyond what people are showing me when I meet them or what they're showing on their page. It's like, I don't care what you're showing. I want to get to the crux of who you are and what you're doing and why you're doing it. And yeah. if I agree with that, I don't care how famous you are, I support you. Because internet's just, it's not even reality. It's just something that's not, it's a secondary uh, transposed reality. Mm.
there was this and, other and within to... that within that there are so many other lenses aren't there of like followers numbers all of these vanity yeah. metrics too but there's just this other thing i uh, was thinking about the other day about social media where if you've got an issue with something that's happening at the present moment it could be with a person that you know it could be with a company that treated you or a restaurant that treated you badly it could be due to covid regulations or things that are happening what people do is they go online and they talk about it and they say oh this is bullshit and da da da, da. and they're seeking uh a um about a, 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 a wall to bounce off and then everybody else might like it and then there's all this big discussion and you know people are commenting loads of stuff but what they're doing is they're getting their energy out online on a space that is not reality and then when you come out of that this the world is still the same as it was when you were in your phone as to when you came out of it so it's it's not necessarily a good thing that we release that negative energy online yeah if there's negative energy that needs to be released it should be controlled until it can come out constructively mm. and then released in a place where it's going to make a difference like outside the doors of the people that are uh, doing this to these things that we don't like regardless mm. of what they are right so if you don't have if you have an issue with a person you go online and you make a passive aggressive statement on facebook about men or women or whatever. Yeah, what's that right? solving? Yeah, it doesn't solve anything. It just makes loads of people argue and bicker about crap. You want to argue about um, regulations that are being put on us now and whether you agree with them or not. I'm, I'm saying that we what we should be doing is going and marching outside the people's houses who are telling us to do those things. But we're wasting our power and energy by doing it all online. It doesn't yeah, go behind, to the right places. behind closed doors, it's like, you know, you want to actually do something meaningful that is going to inspire change, whether that is, you know, to do with any, any topic you, you desire to change. Like it's, yeah, you, you actually can go outside and proactively do something. I think, you know, people say it should really be called anti-social media for that reason of you, you talk to people online and it's even the version you speak to online is a different, different person of, you know, if you're even me and you sat down having a conversation right now, if we were having a chat in Insta DMs right now, it would, there would be a different tone to it. There naturally yeah. has to be, even even amongst the most, you know, awakened people. Like that's that is just the reality because you are going to talk differently. You can't help it by when you are hidden behind the screen, you're going to speak. You're going to maybe say things that you would hold back normally, or you're going to reserve things that might accidentally come out in a conversation. And that's good. Like face-to-face -face contact reveals so much in communication. Like, you know, you know how much communication there is in visuals and, you know, in body language and small signs that all gets lost with social media. And you can see how when communication is done online, it just goes down a rabbit hole of things getting worse and worse and worse. And these extreme views start coming out where in reality, like they've been nurtured in a bad way and they've kind of got somewhere that, you know, maybe, maybe they wouldn't have gone if you're in, in person, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's an interesting concept. Like I definitely agree. Social media and, and hiding behind these facades is, is something very complicated to think about. It's 100%. You, you mentioned know. the word uh, awakened. T tell, tell me about that word what, what does what, it mean to you what does it mean to me that's a good question well you see i think you know to 
to different people at different stages of their journey of life you know that word could mean something very different to me the word awakened may mean having your eyes slightly more open to alternate alternate paths so you know I, I like to see life in in a very set way of you know there's there's a script and then there's kind of like a there's a different path you can take and, and I view the script as what you you know what in our westernized culture we get brought up into this idea of you know this is what you're going to do from five to 18 you're going to be at school these amount of years you're then going to leave you're going to go work in this job slowly you work your way up to whatever it is the and to eventually end up in the nine to five rat race whatever that might be and along where the way you, yeah yeah where do you um so the the you said i view the world in a very set way and you know this and this and this so where do you where do you get the foundation for the view you currently hold what who who inspires yeah. you in terms of how you form that view that you have now what kind of so, philosophies or yeah so i guess i mean yeah so just you know to to finish my point of basically saying you know i see that world as like a bit of a script that can be chosen to follow or you can kind of opt out of that and do things your own way that's really my view so i guess to answer your question of what inspires me you know to think differently right to think no, no, away no. from i'm that saying so that that view you've just given yeah uh of that viewpoint of how the world is mm-hmm uh, that it's a script and etc cetera, etc cetera. what philosophy does that come from or is it just something that you just you sort of philosophize yourself or does it come from any yeah. specific people that you've read that talk about that i mean i think i have always throughout the last few years of my life my eyes have been opened through personal events and external things in my life my eyes have been opened to alternate ways of thinking whether that's family members of mine that have just provoked these thoughts or things I've read media I've consumed whatever and you know I I realize the limitations of that I think I over the last year especially since having a lot more time to sit alone at home I contemplate things you know I've thought deeper into these issues that often we just gloss over as if they're just you know it is what it is life is how it is and you know that's that's nothing that I wouldn't say it's that I wouldn't say it's completely limited in fact empirical evidence which is that which we experience ourselves is the most important experience we can gain because we have to experience it to know it. Like Osho, for example, mm. would say that uh, water, we know it boils at hundred degrees. We know it's transparent. We know it's H2O, but you don't know it till you drink it. So yeah. well, I, I guess uh, I was more looking to see if there's any philosophers or any uh, people that have inspired you but you from what i know of you connor you strike me as someone that would enjoy uh things like the stoic philosophy uh but uh let you tell me about that in in a second but i had another question actually as well just to go back to when you said awaken so yeah yeah then you said you know somebody it's it's a state of uh being able to see different things with different perceptions etc do you think uh awakened is a state or is it uh, that that you uh, stay in, or is it a state that you can go in and out of? So, are you just do you become awakened and then you're awakened, or do you have moments of awakening? Uh, yeah, I, I absolutely believe that it's a fluctuating state that you're going to hit. You know, I, I think in life you you have different like volume dials, and sometimes you may be cranking up the 
the relationship dial and that kind of takes precedent over the rest of your life. And then sometimes yeah. that you lower down a bit and then it's your career and then maybe it's your physical health and then it's, you know, your state of maybe spirituality because if some, if view someone's on the world. Not, if someone's not um, making all the right decisions and living completely peacefully, mm. then we're not awakened because we're making mistakes. Yeah. So it's obviously, it's obviously not, you know, this whole thing about enlightenment and everyone wants to talk about it a lot. And uh, I don't, personally, I don't believe that you can become enlightened. You can only be enlightened for periods of time because being enlightened is having light shone on something for you. It's, it's realization. Yeah. And when, so the thing is, <clears throat> that's led a lot of people to chase spiritual experiences. Because when you have an experience of enlightenment or awakening, you get this transcendental feeling. <clears throat> so people chase that because they want it. Mm. But the problem is, you know, I could give you a very spiritual experience right now by playing you some of my sound therapy stuff. But then if you don't learn anything from it, what's the point? Yeah, it's so like a fleeting high. Yeah, so the, exactly. So the spiritual experience should not be considered uh, confused with a spiritual high the spiritual experience is the gaining of spiritual wisdom through that experience and the spiritual wisdom is what allows us to live in a more consistent state of feeling more awake more of the time but there's still times when you get angry and you get mad and you get sad and you get angry and whatever yeah. else so we're never going to be enlightened like that but this also kind of leads on to another thing um, which is that there's this question, you know, Will Smith made that movie. I haven't watched it, but it's something about happiness. What was it called? Oh, yeah, The Pursuit of Happiness. The Pursuit of Happiness. See, happiness is not neutrality. Happiness is, the, is joy, is the opposite of sadness. And we can't stay in sadness all the time, and we can't stay in joy all the time. It's not, it's not feasible in a duality. We're going to be somewhere in the middle and go to the extremes and bounce back. However there is a state of contentment in the middle and there is a state of bliss, which is joy, but without the, ex without the hormone emotional fueled addition. So joy is, is when we're experiencing bodily and uh, psychological happiness, mm -hmm. right? You're, you're in physical and mental ecstasy. But bliss is when you are in spiritual ecstasy. You're, you're bathing in the comfort and warmth of knowing truth or yeah. of what you feel and your self-realization. There's a kind of groundedness to it. And that kind of bliss. So it, bliss is like grounded joy. But joy by itself is something people are pursuing. But there's no joy... This is, again, this is my opinion. It's gonna, I hope it doesn't sound preachy. There is no joy to be had in this material illusion of transience because all the cells in your body are different to what they were seven years ago. Every last cell, including your brain and eyes and everything, is different to seven years ago. So what of you remains? How are you still who you are? So like, you know, whatever we can change in this world, whatever you can gather, whatever you can accumulate, it cannot be you because you're just adding to your body and you're collecting things. But, and these things, you didn't make them. 
they came from the earth like you did. And when you die, they'll go to someone else and you'll go back to the earth. So the thing I'm trying to say is you can't base any real happiness in things or in this body or even, and some people say, no, 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 we can eliminate suffering if we all become peaceful. You know, the utopians. They say we can have a peaceful society if people just learn to love and do this. It's not possible. This is, this is rejecting duality because the thing is, Okay, so we have uh, uh, three types of uh, suffering. The spiritual suffering, bodily suffering, mentally suffering, right? Bodily suffering is old age, disease, death, and uh, yeah, those three. Nobody escapes those. So the nature of life itself is to die. So first of all, there is no escaping that suffering. Everybody suffers death. Second of all, there's mental suffering, psychological suffering. Everybody suffers psychologically in some way or form with the struggles of being alive. Then the last one is accidents or forces of nature that nobody can control, but they happen and it's suffering. So to, for anyone to say that this life is not suffering, it's a lie. It is by its very nature, it is suffering. So then the question is, how can we is the question, how can we always be happy? Or is the question, how can we eliminate suffering? You can't eliminate suffering. We've already said that. So the only other option is that we figure out a way to stay happy. Now we have to stop confusing the term happy with ecstatic joy and replace it with grounded bliss. Mm. And the problem is we as a society are forgetting how to create that grounded bliss the happiness of society is the happiness of things, the happiness of festivals and doing things and experiencing. But the society's lost the wisdom of being grounded in its own being. Like you don't have to do anything. You don't have to become anything. You know, you are a masterpiece as you are. You know, you, so like this guy, Sadhguru mystic says, you can turn a piece of bread into a human and you don't even have to think about it. That's how perfect you are like as a as a thing as a being magical mm. but everyone's telling you you've got to become this and you've got to change and become like this and it's like i don't have to do anything i can just be and if i die and i'm happy with and i'm okay with dying then nobody can tell me i shouldn't do that you know so yeah you know I, sorry i was a bit of a rant but it's like just no i love that bro that and, th and that bit you said at the end too about the the sad guru quote of saying you know you can turn bred into a human being and like that's one of my favorite teachings of his like even just to hear that when you really think into what that means it is you know by ingesting a piece of food you, you have the power within you to transform an object into an alternate form which is the human form and that sounds crazy to people who are maybe not so open-minded to what we're even talking about but I think the more you start exploring the possibilities of you know just the amazingness of your being like you say there's so much you know, there's joy in that. There's 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 short-term excitement in that, but then you reach a point where that is never enough. And I think you know what what you were saying about constantly trying to seek out the pursuit of eliminating suffering. So many, so many people, I guess, and so many of us get pulled into the trap in day-to-day -day life these days of always needing the next thing or always needing to move move forwards or seek growth or seek um 
a new movements, change their physique, drop weight, whatever it is. And I think you said something earlier, I, I can't quote you directly, but on you have to achieve it or you have to see it to realize it's kind of like not important. And, and you know, that might be paraphrasing, but I think it, it is important sometimes to get to that point, like with calisthenics, to jump back to that. You, you almost have to achieve the plant. You have to get to that level of low body fat to realize it's, it's value. Like I'm a big believer in the fact that you, you owe it to yourself to get to a certain level of mastery in any discipline you choose to pursue to then realize its true place in like, does it have value? You need to achieve a plant to realize if it made you fulfilled or not. And the journey yes. is where it's all, you know, the journey is where it's at. Yeah, that's a really good way to put it, yeah. You need to do it to see if it fulfills you or not. But, and, and that it's so, to paraphrase that, it's a very profound thing we're trying, we've, we've, we've walked, talked around it a lot, but you're right, we're, we're actually saying this. Anything you can do where you dedicate yourself to a process, even if it's that of learning anything, even intellectually, is a process of self-realization. Like, you don't go out to learn anything on the basis of doing it for other people initially, because we have to take, have self-care and self-love first in order to have a full cup. So I don't pick up a guitar and sitar and a drum and all this and try to learn it uh, for other people. In the beginning, I learn it because I love how it makes me feel when I hear the music and the sounds and everything about that. Yeah. Then you, once, once you've done that thing for yourself, if you evolve beyond that and your consciousness expands, you will realize that because we are actually inseparable from our environment, right? you pee water, you drink water. If you don't have water, you die. Same with the molecules, the, the earth in your body and the air that you breathe. If I put you in space, you die. In that same way, we are literally the leaves of the tree that is called earth. The earth is peopling like an apple tree apples, right? And so if we see it that way, then we know there's no distinction between you and me at the end of the day. We're just earthlings like this. And to come to that realization and put that realization alongside the realization of plants made me feel confident, yeah? One plus one always equals the two, and the two is, I'm gonna share this with everyone else and show them the joy that I get from this. Mm. And then you start performing guitar or whatever else. But in the beginning when people perform again, they're still doing it for them because they're learning and they wanna look good. But after that novelty wears off for them, they carry on doing it for others. Yeah. So people don't play guitar for themselves when they go to a concert, they are playing for an audience. And that's what we're doing. We are demonstrating the fruits. Demonstrating an admirable of, practice. Yeah, but the fruits as well. We're demonstrating mm -hmm. what can be achieved if you do this. And being, you know, like, like I said as well, what, how old are you? 23, you said? Yeah, yeah. 23. So for a 23-year-old, you're, you're very grounded and... Um, settled and careful with your words and things like that, which is, which a lot of 23 year olds aren't. And it's important that we can, uh, when, you, when, when, you're, when you're putting out the content you're putting out, you're not just doing it for yourself, you've evolved and you're now doing it to show other people what they can be capable of. And also starting to put out tutorial stuff that 
helps them to achieve what you've achieved. This is this noble, you know. I can't see. So this is what, it goes back to what we were saying earlier. If you're not doing that, if you're still stuck in showing off yourself, then your Instagram is just for you. Mine is mm. not for me. It's for everyone that looks at it. That's what my Instagram is for. Because I can just look at my phone. Don't give me, you know what I mean? Yeah, I've got yeah. it on my phone. I don't need to post it. I post yeah, yeah. it for them. Yeah. I think that's an amazing way to look at it, man. And, and it's funny because I think for me, I've almost evolved to that practice subconsciously over the last few months and couple of years, really. There was no point that I particularly thought to myself, today's the day I post a video like this for x reason and maybe years gone by it was for another reason and i it's it's evolved to that point do you think there has ever been a point that you can pinpoint in your life where you started to think differently in the way that you do now or do you think it's always a gradual process for everyone i think it's a bit of both you 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 know some some minor things you change your opinion on quite regularly depending on how often you're in contact with that thing. And other things like, does God exist or not? You don't change your mind on so frequently, right? Yeah. So it's like, I think what happens, I mean, I, I can only speak from where I'm coming from. Yeah. So I'm 35 now, which, so I would say I had major shifts in my personality and the way I saw the world uh, at certain ages. And I give those ages, but those ages were not um, to do so much with the age, but to do with what I was doing at the time. So I had one um, when I was young, when I was doing all that martial arts training, where I started to have a sense of, um, but it was an Im immature sense of, uh, of confidence. So because I realized I was physically able and I could do boxing and I had some muscles and I was only 15, 16 years old and far ahead of everyone else, you know, I developed ego from that. Right. So then I, my, my, I shifted from that when I went to uni, when I realized that the world's bigger than just my local area and the yeah. people that I know right now. And then I see people and I was like, oh, he's massive. And like, oh, this, I mean, like, blah, blah, blah. you get humbled. And then, you get humbled yeah yeah and then you do that then stuff happens and then and then i started working and i had another shift because then i was like well life's not a game is it actually i have to do this every day for the rest of my life now and um after that switched to this career in my mid-20s uh, uh and then i had another shift because i was going really deep into my spiritual stuff and i was like why am i doing this if i'm not helping people and i'm not satisfied and being fulfilled and so I left a good career in officing, in marketing in offices to do this from scratch, charging 20 quid to my mates on Facebook for an hour just to do a session. And yeah. hardly anyone would take it because I wasn't a known, known athlete like that at that time. So then I just kept building it, working with it. And then in the last 10 years, I think uh, I've had about maybe three or four quite big realizations in my life. I won't go into what they are, but they're on the topics of um, finding a soulmate or a relationship or partner, what my true purpose is on this earth and what I want to do before I die, what I want to continue doing uh, for my career, where I might want to live when I retire. So these things have only, I've only realized and come closer to actually having a stance on them in the last five years. 
since yeah. I was 30. And that that is a result of age, I think. Because yeah. then you're, you know, one that's quite um, relative to what we're talking about. So, I'm like I said, I'm 35 years old and I've got this world record, right? Which what, what explain explain that world record if anyone doesn't already know? Uh, it's uh, L-sit muscle ups, most consecutive uh, in a row on Olympic rings. Mm-hmm. And uh, the the what I what I was trying to say is that I, I I did the world record, and if I'm absolutely honest with you, I was pleased as punch that I'd achieved it, but then I didn't really care for the recognition that came. Yeah as a result, everyone was like, oh my God, you got a world record. And I was like, did you not already think I was capable of that? Have you not seen what I post? Like, I'm trying to show you that you can become really, really good at something if you do this. And I just got the record for the sake of it so that I can prove to you that I'm the world best at something instead of just yeah. saying it. I did it to yeah. prove a point, but it didn't really do anything for me. Again, like ego-wise, don't have any ego attached to it. I was like, mm. I just need this as a piece of paper. That goes back to playing the game though, doesn't it? Playing the game of here's the piece of paper for the masses to see and then maybe that will get them looking at you and then they can really learn what they need. Exactly. So there's, um, sorry, what were we saying before? What were we? I mean, it's it's just flown to this point, to be honest. I mean, I think it loops back. You know, you're talking about all the points in in your life where you've had certain realizations and, you know, you've pivoted. So, thank you. So I got this world record. Now, I come to Royal Oak with you in London every now and again, and all the other guys that are there, and I sit there and I look at you guys, like Jay, who's around 27 or 26, I think. And uh, I knew him when he was 18 years old. Do you know what I mean? Like, he was was a kid. And, uh, you know, so I've seen all these different people, and now I see people like you and others doing planches and full planches and 720s, so um, before, we were always on top. But the, five years ago, we were the best. And nobody else, there was no other generations of people training. So we'd been doing it the longest. Therefore, pretty much we were the best like that. Yeah. And then now the younger generation are coming up. They're achieving things really quickly because they're young and they have those bodies and everything else. While my stuff feels uh, quite hard to maintain. Yeah. But I still have it, you know, like I haven't lost it. So... I had a realization, this is a really important one. There's going to come a time when I can't do this. And there will be people counting me out because they will be the new ones. So the new people coming into calisthenics who are getting strong in five years, they're going to be ridiculously strong. But my body is now uh, coming out of its peak. I guess when I get to 40, I would say that's when you start coming out of your peak physically. Hmm. So I can carry on doing plant. I reckon, let's say plant. I reckon I can do that and iron cross for another 10 years, max. And once I get to 45, I have a feeling that even if I can do it, it's not, my body's not going to like it. You know? It's going to hurt a bit more. <laughs> it's going to hurt a bit more. And it already has started. Like if I do that training now, the next day it takes longer for me to recover. Whereas when I was 25 learning it, I was there every day doing three hours, four hours a day and I could do it just felt Mm -hmm. a bit tight and needed to stretch. Now I can't do, I can do five hours in a row, like I do when we come out, but I can't do that two days in a row. Yeah. So this is the difference with the metabolism slowing down and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So the realization was, 
and you said that I've taken calisthenics in a different direction to other people because I had this realization. First of all, I'm not going to get back into this thing where I'm competing with everyone. That's why I stopped doing martial arts in that sense. I still train it, but in a friendly uh, sparring way, not in a competitive way. Mm. Because now why do I feel like I'm competing against 23-year-olds and 20-year-olds and stuff, right? And they're going to be, they're eventually going to be able to overtake me because it's not, it's going to be their time and not mine. Yeah. But that doesn't mean I'm going to abandon calisthenics and everything I know. So I have, I have to, trans, all of us do, constantly have to transform who we are and what we're offering in the sense that, as you can see right now, the things that I'm doing are, I'm turning my mind to a more intellectual side of discussing movement and calisthenics and how to achieve things. And then I'm doing mo the motivational stuff that I write and then mentoring people. And now it's not just about me showing what I can do as an athlete. It's mm. about getting people there and talking about that as well. And when you get older and you can't do it physically anymore, then you have to switch to a mentor. You know, if you want to be a teacher forever, you know, Mike Tyson's coach, uh, even, you know, for instance, uh, well, Customato, and then he died because he was old. He couldn't mm -hmm. show Mike Tyson how to box the way he was boxing, but he still was his coach. You're getting into that, you know, that realm of becoming, you know, actually leading a legacy as opposed to just doing something for personal reasons, you know? Yeah. And then it's like, so Freddie Roach, who taught Mike Tyson and Amir Khan and Manny Pacquiao, I went to train with him in Los Angeles maybe 10 years ago. And he, he taught me some really cool stuff, like did pad work with me personally and everything. It was amazing. And um, I'm saying that he, he, he has uh, Parkinson's. From his boxing career so when he's standing with the pads his hands are going like this right so the point is there, there is going to be a point where we can't do this stuff anymore but we can still yeah. teach it but the the only ones that survive to keep teaching it are the ones that are known that could do it and have a very sharp mind that can still teach yeah. it so that's what you have to become is and that's something i'm starting to realize now that my body's slowing down is uh i have to enhance the intellectual capacity that i come to this with yeah instead of just showing off moves yeah like at one point your your intellect was down here we're in comparison to your physical capabilities and as that bar kind of shifts and the physical capabilities maybe start plateauing or just very slowly declining you got to raise that bar so you continue to stay at that same standard yeah right? i would i wouldn't necessarily say that um they develop separately either like when you're studying yeah. and you're researching your intellect's still developing I was more talking about, but you're right, you have to make, this is what the book's about, right? We have to mm -hmm. follow many paths, not just one, to try to accumulate a good grounding or foundation in different things. My point was more that, um, oh, what did I say? So you were saying about like, that's <laughs> all good. So yeah, and I mean, you were just saying about how, you know, as you, as you got to this point of your yeah, physical so capabilities changing. So you can't, you, I'm saying that you have to then look at the stuff you've gathered intellectually and figure out how to continue your career with that. Because the physical won't serve you after a certain amount of time. I won't be able to go to any gym in the world and do a planche and for them to say, oh, yeah, let's do a workshop. I won't be able to do it. I will be relying on my history 
and my mouth and my and my mind, yeah. my intellectualism. So there's a job that I have to do, and that's partly what the book was about. It was me transitioning to the academic side of what I'm doing to show people that I have all this knowledge, but I can't give it out on Instagram the way like that. So I write it. Yeah. And I've got I'm already on the second one. So <laughs> that's awesome, man. <laughs> yeah. That's very cool. I think it is so needed and and it is a it is the path that, that many follow. And I think for a good reason that you get to a certain point. I think you've got to you've got to go through the motions and be be the athlete for X amount of time and play the game and be the one in the driver's seat. And then, you know, you're going to be the co-pilot for a time and then you're going to be outside of the car, you know, giving the guidance. And I think it's it's an admirable thing to do. And that's what is really going to allow you to impact so many more lives. You think how many people you've been able to inspire over the last five years, just showing what you can do physically, that comes to a point where you can only achieve so much. And then when you get to the point where your books can be distributed worldwide and you can really share these ideas with wider audiences, that's when you're going to make real, real impact. So it's amazing the work you're doing now. Well, like, like I said as well, thank you. Uh, also, remember this is transience. Uh, so you've got, you've got 30 years max of showing plants in any one lifetime. You know what I mean? That kind of around <laughs> yeah. the time. And yeah. then after that point, you can't do it anymore. And it's like, that that should never be the measure of who knows the most or who has the who has the closest to the truth of what we're searching for. Mm. Like because a lot of people can do it. You know? It it's it's yeah. you know what I would consider it? It's a rite of passage to be able to talk about it. Yeah. So if you want to talk about calisthenics with anyone, first show that you've done some. And then based on the level that you've done it people will afford you the authority to talk about it in a certain way. You know? yeah. But when I went to London School of Hand Balance and I saw them doing one-arm um, handstands for a minute on, the, on each arm on canes, and they taught me the external rotation technique, and I was like, okay, now I understand it. That did actually get me thinking about one thing, you know, before you continue. No, no, that's just me. I, think... I forgot it anyway. Yeah, it's all good. I mean, you know, what you were saying about, like, you know, the younger generation coming through and making you realize like, oh, hold on, shit, I was, I was the leader of the pack, you know, we were, we were up there and then these new people come through and then they just overtake so quickly. I think it comes into that concept of almost like when Roger Bannister ran the first four minute mile, like as soon as you realize something's possible, a flood of people just boom, they, they jump into yeah. it straight away. Like the first 720 that's ever been thrown and landed, whether that was by somebody in eastern europe or whether that was tony gaste like whoever it was yeah. started throwing those things as soon as you see it you're like oh well like that's my standard so i'm going to do it yeah. whereas when yeah. you're breaking down the boundaries for the first time like yeah. the calisthenics is a great example of this but it applies in so many other areas in life with freestyle athletes in cali it's all very well saying like you know i, I know some of the younger guys especially in the london scene and i'm like shit you started training six months ago and you're already you know years ahead of me in, in freestyle and you've been doing this three months but because of multiple reasons but apart from anything else when you see a standard is set and, and you're like yeah fuck, you know why, why can't i push why can't i go all in on this you can achieve it in such a short space of time and it's amazing but you can't expect to be competing with the younger generation in that way it's it's part of it isn't it yeah. and, and even even i have that people you know a couple of years my junior i look look at in their late teens and, and i think wow 
how have you progressed so fast in this amount of time? Like it's it's crazy the growth that can be had in a short space of time. I get the feeling that you know um you know how your parents would say to you um you don't understand now but you will when you're older you know? yeah i remember telling jay i would always stretch before i always stretch before i train right Warm yeah up. and he used to say to me, why do you, when he was young in 1920 he'd be like, why do you always do that such an old man i said you'll do what i said come back to me in five years and we'll talk <laughs> and now he said now he says to me oh rips i know why you stretch now i'm so stiff blah, blah, blah. i'm in so much pain <laughs> and one of the things i that's i i realized as well um all these new all this new generation who are achieving stuff really quickly it's because they have the benefit of having us around and other generations of people who have done it who have laid the way so it's like yeah. w- walking on a trodden path is easier than making your own path. But when we started calisthenics 10 years ago, in like 2011, 2012, there was no path. We were just, mm. there's just the bar. And we were like, what the fuck can be done on this? We don't know. Let's do it. And yes. loads and loads of the freestyle moves that are out there today, I tell you right now, 100,000%, they originated in London or in the UK. And we took them abroad to competitions and other places. And people learned them from online and at competitions. Then the calisthenics athletes in the other countries who have contributed, like Spain and Italy, uh, Amsterdam, uh, so Netherlands, uh, USA, there's certain places, Brazil, certain countries have got strong communities and certain, and uh, sorry, Eastern Europe as well. They've committed a lot of um, contribution They've contributed a lot to the art and it's become what it has become. But mm. some of the earliest contributions when it wasn't an art, when there was no knowledge of calisthenics, when there was only a flag, a 360, a muscle art and uh, a handstand, there was no uh, front lever pull up. There was no full planche push up. There was no Maltese planche. Nobody was doing any of this. That was all gymnastics. Nobody mm. in the world was showing that and calling it calisthenics. 10 years ago nobody yeah and now there are loads of people olympic level doing it and then there's that whole you know crossover calisthenics gymnastics stuff but the point is you know all these phrases hold that and like just the knowledge of how to actually use resistance bands to do a muscle art you know that i was one of the first people to do that calisthenics instructor certification 2013 i was teaching trainers how to teach calisthenics using resistance bands there was none of it on Instagram. And I yeah. made up most of the ways to use it myself. I saw somebody do it with a pull-up and decided we could do that with a muscle-up and then used it for front levers and all these other exercises. And now it's completely standard. People are like, oh yeah, of course, resistance band. It's like, you wouldn't have known that if people like us didn't go in the snow and the freezing cold for years trying to learn this and figure it out by ourselves. Yeah. And now, that, now a 16-year-old who's got genetically advanced body and all the energy in the world and no job to do gets planch in six months. Now I'm happy that that happens because it means we allowed people to find a quicker way to get to what we've realized from it. Yeah. But what does get my gripe a bit is it is when those people are ungrateful or they don't recognize, uh, they, they end up thinking that they did it all themselves. Hmm. I did it quicker than the older guys. I must be better. Yeah. 
is that you're there's not so much more to it ourselves <laughs> you know but, you did it without social media without a constant feed right. of new inspiration every single day like before yeah. you hit the bar like oh i'm just gonna research some combos and then i'll try and make up exactly. my own moves it was proper grafting man i told you like honestly connor yeah like going outside and touching a bar in the middle of winter and your hands freeze but you still do <laughs> your hour and a half of exercise minimum because yeah. you've got to get your reps in and get your strength up. And you want to do it on the proper bars. And there's only they're only in parks. Another thing, 10 years ago, there was no bars in parks. I yeah. installed the calisthenics setup. Sorry, there was no bars in gyms. I installed the first calisthenics setup in Fitness First Brixton. That was part of the gym, but it was still outdoors. Only in the last five years, and well, maybe, maybe 10 years, but CrossFit gyms were the only place that had that. Yeah. Now, gym gyms, that like pure gym, have a rig inside. But that's yeah. only the last five to seven years. Like 10 years yeah. ago, there was no bars inside. So we really fucking grafted for this shit. And we didn't know what we were doing. We went through so much pain. But it was the joy of doing it together that mm. got us through that. And um, it's just a shame to not see um, that being celebrated in the in the in the format of community because that community started when we held those events in 2012 13 and we had 500 people even the second one it was raining all day but we still had 500 people turn up mm. for these calisthenics competitions and um without that community it's just another discipline that can be researched online now see the reason gymnastics hasn't got the same appeal is because it's not done in communities outside in parks. It's done in gymnastic yeah. specialist gyms. And the same thing um, happens with music. If you learn music by yourself, you go as far as you can by yourself. But when you learn music in a band, you know what I mean? It's different. Yeah, so, it goes somewhere somewhere completely different. And you've got really ideas different. bouncing around with different people. and. It, yeah. that's absolutely it i mean i my first look into calisthenics was from the parkour generation of three run people like chase armitage like going on bars and yeah they're swinging around doing giants and then maybe they they land on a wall they kind of cat cat run up it and jump back and before i got into calisthenics and this is probably 10 years ago like when i was in my mid-teens i saw parkour tricking and thought like what could they do on a bar? And I used to watch, I remember when YouTube was very, very new, watching videos in 480p, you know, like it had been filmed on a little Nokia. And I remember watching tutorials for like how to do a standing backflip, how to do a kick the moon, how to giant on a bar, thinking to myself, like, I could learn this one day. And that's before I knew what calisthenics was. And before I ever got into freestyle as it's known today, like I used to train at my gymnastics gym with you know the rest of my gymnastics squad members while I did gym and all I was trying to do was go from a like muscle up position 360 and re-grab the wooden bar and it was bouncing around and the girls were like you know get off that bar kind of thing you're not supposed to use it but like I didn't have any bars outside either and this was before I even had social media or knew that calisthenics existed either so I feel yeah. like it's funny there must have been so many others like me who you know I, de I definitely had no part in paving the way of calisthenics but before I discovered the discipline even I tried something for myself because it, it wasn't out there. Like I didn't really know it existed. Yeah. And, and then suddenly yeah. I, I discovered it a few years ago, like, Oh, people do this. Like there are 
you know, the um, WCO exists. Like that's the first time I saw it at Body Power, a competition. Yeah. I was like, shit, this is what freestyle can be. Like this is a discipline yeah, that puts so many things together that I've already been doing. I just didn't know it had a name. Like that's yeah. the crazy thing. And I hadn't pushed yeah, it to a level because like you said, I, in my, it, for a couple of years of my own practice, I, there was not a walked path. It was just me. I was just doing it on my own. And now I feel that with the age of social media, even in the last two years or three years, there's been a shift. And I don't think that's going to exist again. Like, I don't think there's going to be a, an age of kids really where they grow up without constant inspiration and abundant possibilities in front of them. They're going to see like calisthenics, you just type it in and you see the extreme level of it straight away. Whereas what you're saying is, you know, you went out to these cold bars and you discovered all this stuff for yourself. I think that's, that's amazing, but it's kind of sad that it's not gonna, it's not going to be the same going forwards. But no, with that yeah. being said, like, why not let the new generation take forth and just push the capabilities even further and see what is possible for the sport? Like, it's pretty cool to see, yeah. right? Well, that's it. We just have to leave it to the next generation. And uh, again, yeah. remember what I, remember what I said about uh, whether you do something to be a star or you do it for greater good is the real difference in whether or not I rate a person. The danger is that calisthenics goes the other way. It goes towards uh, people wanting fame and people wanting to become celebrities from it. I'm not, I'm not judging that. I'm not, I'm not trying to say... You see wrong, the limitations. But I see the limitations in it and I don't really see how that can be as fulfilling as doing it for everyone else. Mm. Because I've done both. I've done it for yeah. myself and I've done it for others. And I know what I feel is more valuable. So I guess just, just to end, you know, where can people find your book? You know, what's the title? Where can they get it? And then where can they support you? Oh, yeah. Cheers. For that. Uh, so uh, it's called New Age Yoga. You can get it on all the Amazons as Kindle or paperback. Uh, and you can get the ebook PDF version from my website, which is bodyweightgurus.com. And it will be on forward slash new age yoga. Amazing, man. And I'm at awesome. official. Yeah, yeah. Dope. Right. Well, look, I'll, I'll add those links into the show notes anyway, so people can just kind of scroll down and, and tap that and, and click away. But yeah, I appreciate your time, man. It's been a dope conversation. Yeah, yeah, really good. Always, always goes down a tangent of like, you never really know where it's going to go. <laughs> but, you know, there, there's so many things we can explore. So now nah, yeah. I appreciate your time a lot, bro. We'll do it again soon, bro. It was good. Hey guys, so I hope you enjoyed the end of that podcast. I actually had to wrap that one up pretty abruptly. Um, it sounded a little bit weird, but that was just because Ricky had to go. So it's all good. Still very much enjoyed the conversation. But yeah, I hope you guys all took some value from that. I know that we went down a bit of a rabbit hole um, and some of the topics we were discussing weren't quite what I would usually talk about, but I think it's really nice just to have a bit of variety sometimes. Um, the funny thing is we didn't actually delve that far into ricky's personal training practices um but you know go check him out on instagram it's at ricks.official like he said i'm going to link that in the show notes too so you can go see that um, because honestly ricky's physical strength is incredible and you know as a as a practitioner of yoga as well his, his flexibility is to be admired also um but yeah that's gonna wrap it up guys i hope you really enjoyed that one um you know, if this kind of conversation got you thinking about anything, then as always, let me know on Instagram. You know, it's at Connor Tyson underscore PT. Come drop me a message. 
um, and it will inspire me to keep making more. So look, hope you guys have an amazing day and I will catch you next time.